Atticus the Storyteller's 100 Greek Myths by Lucy Coates, read by Simon Russell Beale. Volume 1 Long ago, in ancient Greece, gods and goddesses, heroes and heroines, lived together with fearful monsters and every kind of fabulous beast that ever flew or walked or swam. But little by little, as people began to build more villages and towns and cities, the gods and monsters disappeared into the secret places of the world and the heavens so that they could have some peace. And although there were still heroes and heroines around, and always will be, they were less famous and less strong with every century that passed. Before they disappeared, the gods and goddesses gave the gift of storytelling to men and women so that nobody would ever forget them. They ordered that there should be a great storytelling festival once every seven years on the slopes of Mount Ida, near Troy, and that tellers of tales should come from all over Greece and from lands near and far to take part. Every seven years, a beautiful painted vase, filled to the brim with gold, magically appeared as a first prize, and the winner was honoured for the rest of his life by all the people of Greece. Atticus the Storyteller Sets Out Now a little after those long-ago times, there was a sandal-maker called Atticus, who lived in a little village to the east of the great city of Sidonia in Crete with his wife, Trivia, his nine children, eight girls and a boy, Melissa his donkey, Circe his pig, Scylla his cow, Phaethon his cockerel, and twenty-four speckled hens, who had no names because the fox was always eating them. Atticus was a very good sandal-maker, but he was an even better storyteller. The children of the village were always popping into the shop to ask for a quick story, and Atticus was always happy to oblige, because he claimed that the stories got into his sandals and made the feet in them walk along faster. What Atticus really wanted was to tell his stories in the competition at the great storytelling festival of the gods at Troy. He had never quite managed it, because on the way there he wanted to visit the places where the gods were born and see where all the monsters lived. Then he wanted to sail to Troy, just like the kings and princes had done in the Great War. The journey would take months, so what with the children's coughs and Scylla having a calf and Trivia having a new baby, he'd never been able to spare the time before. It was now or never. So Atticus decided that he would leave his only son, Gerion, in charge of the sandal shop, the girls in charge of the animals, and Trivia in charge of everyone. One fine morning, in late autumn, Atticus packed his bags and loaded Melissa the donkey. He wiped his eyes and blew his nose noisily before he hugged his wife and children seven times for luck and set off, shouting goodbyes and last-minute instructions as he went. Nine grubby handkerchiefs and one clean one waved and waved in the distance as Atticus the storyteller and Melissa the donkey walked down the track away from the Bay of Sidonia and towards the port of Miletus. I hope Gerion keeps my tools sharp, he muttered, 
and I wonder whether the girls will remember to shut the hens up at night. Perhaps I should just... Melissa snorted and marched on firmly, her small hooves throwing up puffs of white dust. Oh, well, I suppose you're right, sighed Atticus. We must start, or we shall never get there. Shall we have a story to set us on our way? He looked at Mount Ida, far to the south. Let's begin at the very beginning. Thank you.